shall praise Jesus. Get your Bibles out this morning, church. And if you would go to Proverbs chapter 29. Now, I preached a message Wednesday night that I would encourage you to go listen to. If you didn't listen to it off of Proverbs 29, and I told everybody that night, I think it was just a one message, but it didn't end up that way. So um, go to Proverbs 29, verse 18. And I want to share something with you today. Man, I'm glad y'all are here. Praise God. Labor Day weekend. Y'all are in church. Way to go. Everybody out there watching, stop frolicking on the river and you came and watched. Praise God. Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But a, a lot of translations say where there's no vision. When they don't have a vision, they cast off restraint. I believe America, the reason why America's in the trouble it's in today is because they lost their vision. They lost the vision that was always being put in front of them of a great patriotic nation, godly people. We, we began to change our uh, the peer that the young people were looking at into people that weren't really uh, good. And so therefore we went off in the wrong direction. But that's another, that's another side story over there. I'm talking about you good, godly, believing, Bible-believing sons and daughters of God this morning. Amen? If you don't have a vision for your life, listen to me. You cannot live life every day by seeing what comes and then working around it. If you do that, then what's going to happen is you're just going to end up all your life playing defense. You never play offense. All your life, you're just adjusting to what's coming. So the devil throws this at you. The devil throws that at you. Or the world throws this or however you want to look at it. Circumstance happens. A situation happens. After a while, you keep getting beat up. Then all of a sudden, you develop a victim mentality. So then you're not a, you're not an overcomer. You're not more than a conqueror. What you are is a victim. So you wake up every morning. Your prayers become victim mentality prayers. Hear what I'm saying? Come on. Come on. I'm preaching good. You just become a victim. All your prayers are victim mentality. Oh, God, why is this happening to me? What should I do? Lord, why aren't you doing something? How come this? Isn't? So everything becomes victim mentality. I'm not going to live in a victim mentality. Hear me. I'm a fighter. I've always been a fighter, and I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give up. I'm not. If anything in my prayers, my prayers are going to be warring prayers all the time. I'm always at war. I need to find a place of peace also, but I'm usually always at war because I am not going to be a victim. I'm not going to let the world put upon me and tell me what I'm going to become. Hello? If you do, then that's, that you're, you're just going to be molded out into what, what your circumstances are. You're going to be victims of your circumstances in life. But Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to be set free, for you to be called children of the Most High God, for you to be what Colossians 1.13 says, translated from the kingdom of darkness over in the kingdom of his dear son, the son of his love. It, 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 if you live in the victim mentality, you never become a, a, a victorious in anything. You never conquer anything. You never overcome anything. You just become a victim. And I'm tired of victims. I'm tired of the devil telling everybody that they're just a victim. I'm tired of people, people being victims of fear, right? I don't want to live in fear. Fear is no good. Fear is no good. Fear distills everything, all the joy from your life. Because then not only are you not, you may say, well, I just, I'm just kind of like afraid of the dark. 
Well, yeah, but if you just keep letting that live in your life, well, then the next thing you know, you're afraid of crowds. Then you're afraid of going to town. Then you're afraid of terrorists. Then you're afraid of the, the coronavirus. Then you're afraid of the next thing that's coming. Right? So Proverbs 29, 18 says, if you don't have a vision, you're going to perish. You're going to cast off all your restraints and you're just going to go down that road and you're going to perish. Okay. So like, like every day I say to myself, man, self, you're healthy, wealthy, and blessed. I walk around and say, my body functions in total perfection. That God created my body to function. My organs, I don't even know how many I got and what they're all called, but bless God, you better be operating like you're supposed to. Are y'all with me? This is my vision. I don't want to be, I don't want to be uh, an old guy who can't get around. I want to be blessing people all of the days of my life. I don't want to get to a place and say, okay, well, I'm on a fixed income, and so I can't do anything. I've got to have the money just for me to live. I want to be blessed. I want to be wealthy to be blessing people all the time. Now, wealth also means, you know, a lot of other things than just having money, okay? But I want to be healthy. I want to be, I want to be healthy, wealthy, but I want, to be a, I want to be blessed and be a blessing. I don't want people to say, oh, my God, there comes Robert. Go. Right? I don't want to see people, I walk in the grocery store and everybody else goes down the other aisle. Or somebody says, oh, get it there. I say, yeah, what's in this box of cereal? Because <laughs> they don't want me to see them. And I've been in places like that. I walk into a store and people scatter like quail. <laughs> My point is, it's what are you living by? What's inside your heart? What has been placed inside of you? The, you know, there's so much stuff in the world and of, of of Christendom that, you know, you're going to learn your gifts, going to learn, you know, your faith, going to learn your personality, going to learn this is all this kind of stuff. But listen to me, what I'm just saying to you simply this morning, what's the vision for your life? What, what do you have to have a, a great marriage to have children that are blessings to have them, your kids being able to overcome and be able to do anything that they could possibly want to do in life. Okay. So this is what I'm going to be talking about this morning. I want you to go to Romans chapter 12, verse 3. There's one more thing while you're going to Romans 12, I want to tell you. There, then, then there's something that I, I, I'm just going to put before you that, <clears throat> that is, a, is a vision. I said I want to be he healthy, wealthy, and blessed. But then there's another thing that I always have that I always say, because there's really only a few words I want to hear in life. I live to just hear Jesus say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I mean, that's the goal, folks. The ultimate goal is when you step across into heaven that you hear Jesus say, well done, thy good and faithful servant, right? <laughs> so these are visions that you put out before you. Well, Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says this. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to everyone a measure of faith. Now listen to what he's saying here. He says, you shouldn't be thinking you're better than you are, right? But you should be thinking soberly because God has dealt to everyone a measure of faith. Let me put that in a Robert Richards translation, okay? He's saying there, each and every one of you have faith on the inside of you to become more than you could ever believe. So you need to be thinking soberly because just because you think you've succeeded, the guy over there has the opportunity and the potential to succeed if he would just 
operate in faith. Each and every one of you sitting here today, everyone hearing the sound of my voice, watching the broadcast, you have the ability and the potential on the inside of you to overcome and accomplish anything, anything that you desire to do as long as it's within God's will. Now, you want to be the largest uh, drug dealer in South Texas? You know, God's not going to get behind that, right? But uh, if you want to do anything that's within God's will, God's going to prosper you. God's going to bless you. You're going to get there, okay? Why? Because each one of you has been dealt a measure of faith. Each one of you on the inside of you has this thing God put in there called faith. Now, let me tell you why he did that. He did that so everybody would be equal. Because the Bible says God's no respecter of persons. So in each one of us have the potential inside of us to accomplish everything God has set before us to, to, to walk in faith. All right. If you choose not to use it, that's your fault. Not his. He gave everyone equal opportunity. Isn't that good of God? He didn't say just because you were born in a, in a low-income family on the, you know, the wrong side of the tracks and this, that, and the other, that you didn't have, you, you, I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry you were just born there. You didn't have the potential to make it. No. He said, I want to give faith to everybody. It's going to be a measure placed inside of your heart. And if you use that faith, then you're going to be able to walk in all the promises God has for you. And you can be just as successful as the guy that was born with the proverbial silver, silver spoon in his mouth. I hadn't found my spoon. I've looked, but I ain't find it. But it didn't make any difference because I got something better than a silver spoon. I got faith in the promises and the word of God and what God said. So then it's there for you. What I'm trying to show you this morning is it's there for each and every one of you. Nobody is behind. Right? Like it didn't take me long when I was in high school to figure out that I was not going to be a basketball star. Got out there by force a few times. The coach forced me to get out there and play. I said, like, this is not my sport. I, I am not any good at this. Okay? Don't have the same height advantages as everybody else. I don't have the agility of everybody else. Just not my game. Well, there really wasn't much I could do about it. Sure, I could have practiced. Sure, I could have got somebody to help me. Sure, I could have done drills. I could have done all this kind of stuff. But pff, why? I didn't want to. It's going to be way too much work to try to get me up there to just measure up to somebody that was already had a natural ability to do it. And I, I, I was just like, this isn't my deal. OK, but if God's dealt to every one of us a measure of faith, then it's up to us to activate our faith and to use our faith to 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 become what God wants us to be. Amen. So look at the person beside you and say, you got it. Now, the first thing you got to start to do in life is you got to start to, to, to look at your faith and, and, and consider it, okay? So I'm just going to give you some scriptures. 2 Peter chapter 1. Go 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 says, Simon Peter, a bondservant, apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and our Savior Jesus Christ. First thing you got to do is you start, got to start considering your faith as something that's precious. Now think about this. Okay? Just think about this. If God has placed inside of you a measure of faith, every one of you have faith to be used, to be exercised, to, to, to grow and to and develop, okay? It's already in you. But you don't consider it as anything special. Then you're not going to use it, and it's going to lay there dormant. 
right? You can drive a nail. Guys, you can drive a nail. You've done it before, I know, with a 12-inch crescent wrench. In my toolbox, my 12-inch crescent wrench is the most important tool in my box. I can pretty much fix anything in the world with it. All right? But it's not the proper tool a lot of times for the things that we do. Hello? My point is, if you start to consider your faith as something that's precious to you, okay? Let me show you another one. Jude, the book of Jude. There's only one chapter there. It's so chapter 1, verse 20. It says, but you, beloved, build up yourself in your most holy faith. If you start to count your faith as something that's holy, given to you from God, it's important. It's precious. It's holy. Yes, Lord. Huh? Okay, look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, now, to him who is able to exceedingly abundantly, excuse me, let me read that, reread that. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. The power that works in us is called faith. If you start to, if you start to consider it, listen, it's precious, as holy, as powerful. See, they can lock you in prison. They can throw away the key. But if you're in there with faith and you consider it as precious, holy, and powerful, man, you can still walk in victory. Amen. The next one here, 1 John 5, 4. It says, for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. It's our faith. If you start to consider that your faith is what's going to give you the victory, not your skill, not your expertise, not your whining, or not your crying, or not your manipulation, or not your brain. You start to consider that it's your faith in God that's going to get you through. Folks, listen to me. All of a sudden, now you're on the right path. You're starting to do what is important to activate your faith. Listen to me. I don't know what's coming on the earth. I don't know what's coming. Listen, I, I, I tell you, the, the, the U.S. is a mess right now. Everything's a mess. It's all a mess. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if aliens are going to show up in my spaceship. I don't know if, you know, we're going to be inundated and try to figure out how we're going to deal with, you know, green men in church. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if, the, you know, if, the, if they're going to be launching nuclear missiles. I don't know if there's going to be you know, red dawn happen. I don't know what's going to go on, but I just know this. I have my faith in Jesus, and I just know whatever's coming. Man, as long as I keep my faith, everything's going to be okay. I'm going to figure out how to work myself around it. I want to figure out what to do. I'm not, I, 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 try, I get burdened when I'm sitting around trying to figure out all the answers. See, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. I know that I know that I know down inside of me that there's going to come a day that this place is going to, be, is going to explode. It's going, to, it's going to be filled up. I know there's people coming from all over the place. There's people coming out of the mountains, out of the hills. They're coming into this place tattered and torn, beat up and, and, and wrecked, and they're going to have to have something to, to, to sustain them, and that's going to be you Amen. ministering to them, and it's going to happen. So I could, go one out, I could go run out here right now and build a big building. I could go out and do this and that and the other. But, you know, I don't really have a lot of direction for that. I just know inside of my heart it's going to happen. And so what do I do? I just get up every day and say, Lord, I just thank you. I'm not going to be behind. I'm not going to be behind. I'm not going to get ahead of you because you said you'd order my steps and prepare my way. And you'd make all my crooked paths straight. Lord, you said, trust in the Lord in all of my heart and lean not to my own understanding. And in all of my ways, you would acknowledge me. And so... I'm going to direct, you're going to direct my path. I just believe we're going to be at the right place at the right time. And you know, folks, I've learned over 35 years of serving the Lord. I have learned that so many times when I was all 
worried and, and you know, just in, a, just in thinking, oh God, how's this going to happen? And fretting and, and, and imagining this and imagining this is going to happen and come down there. And then when the dust finally settled, everything that I dreamed up and imagined didn't happen. And I spent a lot of time just fretting and worrying. And then the truth of the matter, if I'd have just relaxed in the Lord and just trusted in him, I'd have got through it a whole lot better. And I have seen this happen so, so, so many times. I've seen me, me looking and praying and say, oh, God, what are we going to do? You know, what, what's going to happen here? What is it? And then all of a sudden, what looked like a disaster, then all of a sudden, it's just like, it's gone. And then this just happened. And then I was like, how did that happen? Where did that come from? And I was just like, what? Where? How? How, how did you do that? What, what? I don't even understand what happened. And all I could ever hear the voice of the Lord saying was, to me was, yeah, you might could have seen it a little quicker if you wouldn't have been over there worrying. And I'm like, I'm going to learn my lesson one day, Lord. I'm going to get it down. Here, here just the other day, I, I told you all this one, but here just the other day, I committed to, to, to give some money and uh, to, to the orphanage to put up solar panels and get some things going. And uh, I, I, I gave twenty five. I gave $30,000. I said, here, let, okay, there's 30000 We transferred the 30000 Boom, 30000 went out the door. My wife, the next morning... No, that afternoon, she calls me. She says, well, I got this strange check in the mail. I said, what do you mean, check in the mail? What are you doing? She says, strange. I don't even know who these people are. It came from, a, from, a, from a, like an endowment deal. And, and, and I said, well, how much is it for? She said, 25000 I said, what? The check was already in the mail. It was already in the post office when I gave the money. And I didn't even know it. And it came from a source that is not normally whatever. And I'm just like, how did you do that? I stopped and I said, how did you do that? How? Did you make this all work out? And he's like, yeah, if you just trust in me, don't worry about everything. But it's our nature as humans. We think we're in control and we got to worry about it. We've got to learn to develop our faith. Amen. So you got to consider your faith as precious. You got to consider it as holy. You got to consider it as powerful. You got to consider it as the what's going to be bringing you victory. Okay? So now go to Luke chapter 11. Hope this is helping you this morning. Is sometimes you just have to be reminded of simple messages because we forget. Luke chapter 11, verse 9. Let me show you how do you start activating your faith. I remember when I was first saved and I'd hear people say, you know, things to me like, oh, just receive it, brother. Just receive it. And I'm like, how? Or they're like, just believe, brother. Just believe. And I'd like, I don't know how. What do I do? Well, let me just show you. It's real simple. Okay? I wish, have talked, I wish they'd have given me this message a long time ago. This is how you put your faith into action. So I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given. Everybody say ask. Yes. Seek, and you shall find. Everybody say seek. seek. Knock, and it will be open. Everybody say knock. knock. Say, say it with me. Ask, yes. seek, seek. knock. One more time. Ask, seek, knock. That's how you activate your faith. The first thing you got to do to activate your faith is you got to start asking the Lord. Not waiting on the Lord. I said, Pastor, you said that the Bible says wait on the Lord. I I know, but that's a whole completely different text. What I'm talking about is you have to start asking. You have to start getting involved. You have to start activating your faith by you simply have to start having conversations with the Lord. You have to start praying. You have to start talking. You have to start asking the Lord. Lord, and your asking may be, 
Lord, what do I do? <laughs> but you're starting to act because see what you've done then, the moment you start to ask God for the need that you have, then you're saying you're putting your faith in him to be your answer. So your faith gets its first little wheel starts going on that cog. First little revolution starts because you're asking. Okay? Then it says seek. <clears throat> well, seeking, you know, come on, folks. How many of you have ever lost your keys? And did you seek? How did you seek? Did you just walk in there like a typical man and just kind of gaze over the horizon? No, I don't see them. Is that the way you sought your keys? I go into a, a, a Western store. If my, if, I usually let my wife buy everything on my clothing because I can't stand to go into a place and try on clothes. And so I just trust that she's got a better eye than I do. But if I do go in there, this is how I shop. I don't see anything. Be a whole ring full of, you know, shirts are all in a ring. Like it'd be a whole ring full. She's not even looking. I say, hey, I don't even see a color that I like. Let's go. No, that's not how you seek. If you're seeking an outfit, you're seeking a certain shirt, you go through each hanger, each one. Go through. Then you check, even though it's not your size, because somebody might have put one in the wrong place. You go through, right? You're looking for everyone. You're going around. You're on the cell rack. You're just funneling through them. <laughs> You're trying to make it work. Right? Yeah, the last time I went uh, shopping, my, you know, I used, my wife used to always buys the same brand of shirt and, and same size and everything. And, and so I was in there, so I had this smart idea. I said, well, what about this shirt over here? And she said, yeah, they don't run the same size. I said, well, why don't they run the same size? What stupid people don't make? I mean, if this shirt says it's a medium or a large, it ought to be a medium or large. It ought to fit the same everywhere. She said, well, just try it on. So I come out of there, you know, my sleeves are about up to here. They've got one button open and the rest is flagged up. And I say, yeah, I see what you're saying. It don't fit. But you don't know, you know, you're just, you're seeking, you're going through, you're looking at everything. You're trying every option, you know. I liked it because it was cheap. So I was trying to make it fit, but I couldn't suck in enough to get it on. But if you seek something, I mean, you're after it, right? You're looking, you're down there, you're digging, you're not letting anything sidetrack you. You're seeking. So how does that relate to, the, to seeking God? Well, what are you doing with your time? How are you having your prayer time? Are you just getting in the morning and saying, hey, God, like you did the person that you saw at the convenience store when you got your coffee that morning and said, hey, how you doing? Is that, your, is that seeking? No, man, seeking the Lord means you're, you're seeking, you're reading your Bible, you're doing everything you can, you're looking into multiple translations, you're, you're doing whatever it takes, you're, you're looking, you're cross-referencing, you're looking over here at this, you're calling your friends, you got you a, you know, a devotional, you got you this, you're taking time praying, you're sitting outside on your chair and just being quiet, listening. You're listening to worship music, you're doing everything that you know to seek God. I mean, really, folks, they say that the, that the average Christian only prays three minutes a day. Three minutes. I mean, that's sad. If you're going to have a conversation, you don't have a lot of faith that in prayer if you're only going to pray three minutes. Are you hearing me? Y'all quit looking at the ground. Look up here at me. Only three minutes? I mean, come on. If you're going to seek God, if you really want your faith to be active 
and you want to be the person that I'm talking about being here that has a vision, you're going to have to seek him. And seeking means you're going to have to do more than ever. You're going to have to shut the television off. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to sit and listen for the presence of God. You're going to have to find your worship tape, put it on. And you're going to have to let, it, let the music play in the house. You're going to have to sit down and have to have conversation with your spouse, with your kids, and talk about Jesus and things of God. You're going to have to find a scripture, throw it out, have, have a, a, a debate over it. You're going to have, to have sword drill. If you're a Baptist, you know what that is. If you're a Methodist, you don't. Sword drill. You, want, you follow what I'm saying, church? It, it becomes the, everything. You're going to listen to the broadcast. You're going to go back and listen to the broadcast. I was so excited because uh, if, if, if I'm wrong on this, don't say anything, Doris. But I, I, I think I heard the other day that, that, that we're averaging about 11,000 uh, hits on our app per month, you know? Now, that doesn't mean 11,000 people. It could be, you know thousand people going back several times but there was like 11,000 hits per month well I'm glad about that because that means somebody is looking up where's the scripture what's the deal uh, I want to read my Bible I'm gonna go go see what word I can pray I want to stop and speak and you know you see, you see what I mean because that to me is exciting because folks listen to me if you don't believe if you're only praying three minutes you're not believing God to do anything he's not your source because what you want to activate, you seek it. Ask, you seek, and then you knock. That means you don't let anything get in your way. That means you knock down everything that's trying to hinder you from getting there. Listen, don't ever try to pray and, and, and read your Bible with your phone on. That baby will ring. You'll have every telemarketer in the face of the earth calling you. I don't know how the devil does it, but that baby will just go off. It'll go off, it'll go off, it'll go off. Or it'll get you sidetracked or it'll pop up some commercial or it'll do something. All right. And so you have to knock down every obstacle that wants to get in your way and hinder you from activating your faith. Okay. So go to Luke 18. Let me move along here. We're doing pretty good. Luke 18, 35. Now this is Luke's version of blind Bartimaeus. He doesn't mention Bartimaeus in here, but in, in other uh, gospels, you can find it. Luke 18, 35. It says, then it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging and he heard a multitude passing by. He asked what it meant. So they, they told him it was Jesus of Nazareth passing by. He cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still, commanded him to come and to be brought to him. Now when he had come near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight. He followed him, glorifying God, and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Do you notice that three things happened to this blind man? Okay? The first one is he received his sight. Folks, I believe that there are so many Christians that have lost sight of what it means to be a Christian. I believe there's so many Christians out there that have just allowed the devil to whisper in their ear or model, taken a model of what Christianity has thrown at them, and develop themselves 
had no vision because they've lost their sight. All right? I want to be like Jesus. Hear what I'm saying? I'm not talking about how he dressed, how he, what shoes he wore, how long his hair was, or anything. I'm not talking about that at all. What I'm talking about is I want to read my Bible, and I want to find out who Jesus is, and I want to be like him. Jesus is the coolest person that I've ever met. He has the ability for them to be getting ready to catch him right in the middle of a storm by throwing a woman who was just caught in the midst of adultery down before him, and Jesus is piddling in the sand. And then they say, well, what about it? And he's hung. But oh, no, he's not. The world sings he's hung. They got it. We got it. And he comes up and says, all right, he that was without sin cast first stone. And then everybody's like, uh. Now, I heard a preacher preach this years ago. I won't even take credit for it. And, and it, it, saying that what Jesus was writing on the, the doodling in the sand on was their sins. Like he had Motel 6, room 43. <laughs> and when they looked down and saw that, they're like, ah! I don't know if that's true or not, but I liked it, okay? And the point being is that, <clears throat> is that, People lose sight because, see, they, 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 they let the enemy come in and whisper, and the enemy begins to develop who they are as a person, whether they're a fearful person or an angry person or a jealous person or a devious person or an envious person because of what the world's throwing at you, because they're victims. But when it shouldn't be victims, we should be faithful people, faithful Christians who did not lose our sight what we have our sight. And we have our sight firmly fixed on him. When this blind man received his sight, his world changed. Don't you know it? He began, I don't know if he was, well, was it to say he was born blind? I don't believe it says on him. Whether he was born blind or he became blind. If he was born blind, he never saw anything because so he can imagine what the world looked like when he could see. Wow. But if he had seen and then lost his sight, and then got it back, then he's like, wow, I almost forgot how pretty that was. Almost forgot what a leaf looked like on a tree. Almost forgot what, you know, this looked like. Folks, when you get your sight, and you get your sight, when Jesus saves you and you, and, and, and you get turned on and you get your faith turned on, all of a sudden you begin to see things differently. And if you don't see things differently, well, then what I'm saying to you is you're not using your faith and you're not really being the Christian you're supposed to be. Because when you have an encounter with the living Christ, it changes you. It makes you see things. I was a just a hell-raising, young, drinking cowboy. And all of a sudden, man, all of a sudden my whole life changed when I met Jesus. And my whole life changed and I began to see things differently. And things didn't look the same as they did before. And all of a sudden the things that was important to me wasn't important anymore. And this other thing that I never even thought about, it became important to me. Telling everybody I knew that what Jesus could do for them. How did that happen? Because faith got activated. Amen. And what I'm saying to each and every one of you, it's in you. It's already in you. The measure of faith is there. You just have to do something with it. It may have laid dormant for 50 years. But if you don't activate it, I'm telling you, it won't get activated. Yes, if you throw up a lay me down to sleep prayer all the time and say, oh, God, do something. That isn't going to cut it. 
Because you're going to have to activate the faith on the inside of you. Because that's how God set the plane level for everybody. You activate your faith, you can walk in the promises of God. You don't activate your faith, shame on you. The second thing is he did here is he began to follow Jesus. You see, he says he's got his sight and then he began to follow Jesus. Folks, when you have your eyes open to Jesus, when your eyes become open, you want to follow him. I want to follow Jesus. I want to do what he says. I'm not fighting against it. I want to follow Jesus. And then the third thing it says here is that he began to glorify God. Then, folks, your whole life becomes a life of just praise. You're just so happy. You're saved. You're so happy that God's with you. You're so happy that everything's going, you know, that you've got faith and God's made a way and he's got all these promises for you. And woo! And so the world wants to put you down. People want to put you down. Things don't go right. This doesn't go right. That doesn't happen right. Something goes on like that. Well, then you know what? You just, say, you just back up because you already know the one who's got the answer. And you just back up and say, I, I, <clears throat> y'all just sit over there for a while and wait. I got to go talk to the one who's got the answer. Ephesians 1.17. I'm going to go kind of fast here because I want to get to communion. Ephesians 1.17 says that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened that you may know the hope of the calling for, for uh, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Folks, and what is the exceeding greatness of his promises towards us who believe. When faith gets kicked in, when you start to operate in faith and you start to get your faith moving because you ask, you sought, you knocked, then all of a sudden, man, you begin to see the riches of the glory of what God has for you. I like it the way Peter says it. Second Peter chapter 2. I mean, excuse me, 2 Peter 1, 2. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. He says, all things have been given to you by the knowledge, the knowledge of his promises. So folks, I'm here to tell you today, that if you've made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, well, that was the first step you took in operating your faith. But I'm already telling you, you have the potential on the inside of you to enter into the great and precious promises of God, and there ain't nothing can stop you except your lack of faith. You say, well, it's scary because I'm the kind of person that I like to, you know, I like to see it and then I believe it. But folks, when you start to know who Jesus is, it's not about seeing it to believe it. It's about you know who he is, and he wouldn't give you a promise that he wasn't going to fulfill. It's not like a, a, a magic or a risky chance, a, a, you know, a game of, of, of shooting dice to see if it's going to work. No, no, no. You know him, and you just simply know what the promises are. And just like Peter said, they're great and precious promises, and you can partake of them because you understand that you're operating by faith. God wouldn't tell you something that he wasn't going to do. But he says, are you going to believe that he's going to do it? That's the only catch. Are you going to believe he's going to do it? So if you walk around and say, Lord, I thank you, I'm healthy, wealthy, and blessed, do you believe he's going to do it? Do you believe you, you walk around your house and say, my children are going to be blessed, my children are, are everything their hands touch is going to prosper, they're going to do everything you call them to do because you're holding on to the promises? I mean, if you walk over to your child and said, I just believe you're going to be an astronaut. An astronaut you're going to be. You're going to be an astronaut. You're going to be an astronaut. Well, what if he doesn't want to be an astronaut? 
What if you're just trying to live your dream through him? See, sometimes parents, you're crazy. Uh, bottom line, you're crazy. And you're trying to believe God for things that, that you need to leave alone. You'd be better off to be quiet. <clears throat> be struck mute. Or you get yourself in real trouble. But are y'all hearing me here today? I believe we're entering into a time that Christians need to be Christians. I believe we're entering into a time that we need to see not just revival, but we need to see reformation in the church. We need to see Christians being Christians. And Christians stopping and praying for people and seeing answers to prayers. And people being blessings to others and, to, and going out and, 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 and seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. I believe that we need to be like the early church. I believe that we need to go places. And when we go those places, we, we uh, revolutionize that place because we've been there and carried the presence of God in there with us. Hello? But the only way you're going to do this is activate your faith. So you need to be, you, you need to take this message, you need to look at it, you need to see how does it apply to your life. And, 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 and maybe, maybe you need to start asking, seeking, and knocking different. Maybe you need to start considering and counting your, fa your faith as a precious thing, a holy thing, a powerful thing. And the moment you do that, folks, someone's going to kick off on the inside of you. I've always said this, and this is one of the things I love so much about freedom prayer. I could walk up to you right now and say, hey, the, 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 the Lord has a word for you, and I, I got a word for you. Yay, hey, that's saith the Lord. And I could just lay down the biggest spit flying prophecy you've ever heard in life. Maybe some really good stuff. This excites you, you know, and get y'all in there. And then you may take it and do something with it, or you may not. But if you were sitting down in freedom prayer and you, you were yourself hearing from heaven and you heard your own heavenly father speak to you and he touched your heart and spoke to you in your heart, then you heard him and that changes your life. Because I can promise you, I've lived my life by what I know God has said to me. Not necessarily always what someone else said to me. But the things in my life that I know God spoke to me, like driving down the road, just wanting a word. And I said, Lord, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? I just, oh, I want to serve you. And I'll never forget. God spoke to me three words. Be faithful, be consistent, and don't quit. I'm like, what? That's no big word. I wanted a good word. I get be faithful, be consistent, don't quit. Sounds like work to me. But sometimes in life when I don't, I get, I, I, I feel like I'm pulling a freight train, don't know what to do. I stop and I say, Lord, you told me be faithful, be consistent, don't quit. So I know I'm in the will of God this morning by just showing up in church. I know I'm in the will of God by just being faithful and coming here and starting service on time. I know I'm in the will of God by just knowing that I'm preaching the word of God. And then faith builds on the inside of me. Y'all don't know. I mean, I, 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 of all these years, I mean, I've pastored the church for 28 years. Going, I mean, November will finish 28 years. I'll start on 29 years. I have never preached the same message twice. Now, I may have used the same text or something in a message, but I've never preached. I don't have this. I never go back. I'll, tonight, I'll go back and look at these notes that I wrote down today. It won't make a bit of sense to me. I used to write, handwrite every one of my sermons out, have all the notes and everything to them. I got stacks of paper. I go back and look at them and that don't make any sense to me. I read them. It's like, what was I trying to say? It doesn't even make any sense to me. I have journals, books of stuff that I've written sermons in. I look at them and it's like, I don't know, because I've never preached the same one twice, because I can't preach the same message twice. If I don't get something fresh from the Lord, then I don't have anything to preach to you. And I'm talking about there's times that I've walked through the door and don't got it. 
So that makes me a little nervous sometimes. But my point is, God told me, be faithful, be consistent, and don't quit. So I know if I walk through that door, I got the message. I don't have to worry about it because I did my part. He's got to do his. Hello? So the point is, folks, you're supposed to be living your life like that too. You activate your faith and you live like that. You're living every day a miracle because God's with you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Uh, Go ahead and put your Bibles up. I've said all I can say. If you didn't get it, I don't know what to say. Yeah, go watch it again. But I do want to say this, folks, listen, y'all that are out there watching, get your communion, uh, get it ready. Because as I serve the uh, communion here this morning, you can be taking your communion out there. If you're out there watching the broadcast today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you, if you don't know, if you died today, you'd go to heaven. Folks, that's so important. You just don't know what can happen. But if you're not sure in your heart that you're right with God, the Bible's real simple. It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you'd confess with your mouth and you would believe in your heart, activate that place of faith, that Jesus is Lord, that he died for you, that he arose for you, that you would be saved. It's that faith in your heart, believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that makes you right with him. Because you can't do enough good works to make you right. You cannot clean your life up, clean your acts up. You can't do it. But Jesus, by his sacrifice on the cross and his shed blood for you and me, he can. But you need to believe in him and activate your faith. So it's real simple right there. Just call out to him and say, Jesus, come into my life. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died for me. I want you to be a part of my life. I am asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking, Lord. I want you in my life. And he'll touch you right where you are. And he'll save you. And the spirit of God will come on the inside of you. And you will be born again. If you're in here today and the same thing, you're not sure you're right with God. Well, we're going to have prayer people up here in just a minute as we have communion together. And they're up here not just for their shining good looks. They're up here today because they're here to pray with you if you need prayer. Now, you may need prayer about anything, but listen to me. The main thing is if you don't know Jesus, talk to one of these people and get them to pray with you. If you uh, uh, just don't, just don't leave that building. Just do not leave this building if you don't know that you're right with God. Don't do it. I'm begging you, don't do it. Don't walk out the doors if you don't know you're right with Jesus because you don't know what is out there, folks. And I want to see you in heaven. And there's no way to the Father except through Him. That's what the Bible tells us. So you've got the prayer people up here you can pray with. Amen? So begin to prepare your hearts. Begin to examine yourself out here in the congregation, out there watching. Examine your heart as we get ready to take communion and commune with Him. Amen? So can I have my prayer team people come down and my pastoral team to help me serve? Thank you, Jesus. The Bible tells us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, that he took bread and that he blessed it and that he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, now take and eat. But this is my body, which is broken for you and do this in remembrance of me. So Lord, today we take the broken body. We take this bread and we let it represent your broken body for us, Lord. And we thank you, Jesus, you took it all to the cross for us so that we could walk in victory today, walk in health today, walk in wholeness today. So, Lord, we praise you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. For those of you at home, take and eat.
then afterwards he took the cup and he said this cup is a new testament a new covenant a new covenant not a, not the old covenant that had to do with animal sacrifices and all of those things but a new covenant poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of sin folks all of us fall short of the glory of god all of us fall short there's not any man that's not going to and that's what this is all about to come today and commune and to have him wash you and cleanse you and forgive you of your sins. No one should leave the building today with shame or guilt because all you have to do is repent and say, Lord, forgive me and forgiveness is here. So for those of you at home, take and drink.